Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy. I am once again excited to be with you. I hope you're having a great day, whatever whatever day of the week and time it is that you're listening to this. I hope everything is going well. Have yet another awesome dude with me today to talk about his journey, where he's at, and where he's going. Uh, his name is Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Gormy. How are you? I'm good. As I said, we're going to hear airplanes while we're talking, and of course, there's. it sounds like right now there's four going overhead of me at the same time while we start, which is, is fun, but... That's awesome. Um, I'm just glad, you know, glad to be alive. I'm not dealing with the 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 snow effects that you're you're dealing with back east. I actually was recording yesterday with someone in the middle of the snow, so I'm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little ugly out here right mm. now. The, the sun's out at least, so that's good. Hopefully, it it starts to melt some of it down. Twenty plus inches of snow is no fun to deal with. Well, what I like is though that it traps my guests inside, so they're not. They're there not running go. around, you know. We can get I can get some people locked down for recording when they're when they're snowed in. So there's a plus Absolutely. there. So let's enough enough small talk about snow and airplanes, man. Let's get to it. Tell us, Dave, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? I've been a fat guy my whole life. Basically, back to I usually factored in about first grade, six seven years old. Um, those are the first pictures that I can remember seeing where I wasn't overweight. Um, I could tell you going back to the third grade, um, I had a, a, a kid that was in school with me that I was friends with that his mom used to send in Weight Watchers magazines for me. Um, they used to take my, my weight at school and there was a chart in the teacher's cabinet behind her desk that had my weight on it. And I can remember in the third grade being 155 pounds. That, that was, it's just a number that's always stuck in my head. I was 155 pounds in the third grade. Um, and then it just kind of continued from there. You know, it, it wasn't anything, I, I wasn't doing anything that would have made me fat other than eating. It, it's basically, you know, we didn't have uh, a very strict dietary schedule at home. You know, you ate and it was just kind of whatever could be afforded at the time. And it kept going and going and going until, you know, I hit my, my largest weight. I was pretty close to 500 pounds, if not over 500 pounds. Um, the biggest weight I have on record with the doctor's office uh, is like 482.6. And I know that I had lost a little bit of weight at that point because I was getting ready to have lymphedema surgery. And I was trying to make sure that they weren't going to deny me for the surgery through the insurance uh, because I really needed that at that point. That was another 50 pounds of tissue that was taken off of me. So um, I'm sure we'll get to, to all of that eventually. But yeah, basically I've been heavy my whole life, been picked on for it, um, bullied relentlessly as a child, you know, even up through high school. That's kind of where I, 
I got to the point where I wasn't going to take anybody's crap anymore. Um, but it didn't. It's not like it stopped it. It just kind of abated a little bit. So I, I would say that that would probably be what yeah. qualifies me. And I, I do. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I often have guests on on the show of all different age ranges. I do like talking to someone who's in in that close age range with me sometimes because some of the things you were talking about as a kid are things that I think someone who right now is in their twenties would hear and they're like, wait a minute, they weighed you at school, like. I very, yeah. you know, I have those very vivid memories of them lining up the whole school to weigh us all at the nurse's office, and announcing everyone's weight to the entire school. And you know, talk about talk about childhood traumas. You know, when you're hearing oh, every, when you're hearing everyone like, you know, sixty four pounds, sixty two pounds, seventy pounds, and then they get to you and they're like one hundred and thirty seven pounds, and you're like, oh. <laughs> and that's like when like all of those people who were doing the bullying, it was almost like it added fuel to their fire. Like that now they had actual statistics behind them, you know. Yeah. They had ammunition. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So what I'm always curious about when someone who grew up big, you know, to talk about, you know, to get into some first is like you talked about, you know, there wasn't really like an eating regimen at home, like that sort of thing. Were you Yeah, I don't know if this will make sense, but like were you a, a private eater? Were you a sneak eater? Were you a, a public eater? Like when you think back to that time, like that relationship with food that you developed, what was that like? I wouldn't say I was ever a sneaky eater. I didn't really have to be. Um, it was it was pretty much food was always there. Um, you know, my grandmother was a very big part of my life. Both of my grandmothers, but specifically my mom's mother, was a very big part of my life back then. Uh, and we we lived with them for a while, and she was very much food everything. Um, you know, my grandfather obviously ate his, his three meals a day. He was a working man, had to have his, his three squares a day, you know, and then my grandmother would have all kinds of other stuff in the house, crackers and chips and cheese and candy and cookies. And she was big on making candies as well. So she would buy, you know, hundreds of pounds of chocolate a year and make Valentine's day candies, make Halloween candies, make Christmas candies for you know, anybody and everybody that she knew. That was what my grandmother did. Um, even to the point where I have some family now that have moved from, from the new England area out to like Ohio and Indiana, they moved out there. One of my uncles, uh, they moved out there years ago and my grandmother would spend hundreds of dollars shipping them candy every year. So it's, it's always, food has always been a big part of our family. Um, so I never really had to be a sneak eater because we all ate that way. You know, everybody just kind of shovel down whatever they wanted and you know it was it was a big deal in that generation where my grandmother was in where it was eat everything on your plate don't waste any food you know the whole there's starving kids in africa thing that you know those of us of this age group got quite a bit oh yeah in the day you know if you didn't want to eat something but i was never also never one of those kids that didn't want to eat something you know i could i can tell you i have a vivid memory um, we lived in an old farmhouse, uh, actually across the river from where Mohegan Sun Casino is right now. Uh, and you could you could actually see the woods where the casino is back when I was living there. Obviously, this was before it was built, but um, it was my mom and I, my grandparents, uh, my aunt and uncle, and their six kids all living in this one giant farmhouse. It was a huge farmhouse. And uh, my cousins and I were outside playing, and we were eating ants and stuff off the ground. Because, you know, we're like 10, 11 years old. We're stupid. We're not doing intelligent things. And my aunt found out that we were eating ants. So she decided that night for dinner she was going to make every possible food that a kid could find disgusting. 
you know, spinach and lima beans and liver and all this stuff. And I gladly sat at that table and ate every single thing that she put in front of me because I liked all that food. There are very few things that I won't eat. You, you can't try to shame me with liver. Yeah, I was going to say, the game did, that, that trick didn't work. No, not with me. It did with my cousins, but it did not with me. Mm. Well, it's funny you say, you tell that story because I had an aunt who I've mentioned before in the show because she was the Weight Watchers queen who got me into Weight Watchers when I was very, very young. And her, you know, she had the, you know, 70s, 80s mentality of what's healthy, what's not healthy. And so when she would babysit us a lot, especially after my parents separated, and it would be time, she'd be like, okay, you know, we'd be in her pool and then it would be snack time. And she's like, we're having popcorn, you know, and so my sister and I would get really excited about having popcorn, and she would give each of us, like, this small, you know, Pyrex little glass cup filled with actual canned corn. And my cousin was just so excited that it was popcorn time, and my sister and I would be like, this isn't, and my sister used to cry that it wasn't popcorn, um... But I d developed a love for eating canned corn from it. Like, I was like, okay, I enjoy having canned corn snack time. Like, this is not a bad thing. Like, you know, I think sometimes they, th they think things are going to go one way and they go another. Um, right. Uh, what's funny is uh, one of my favorite things is creamed corn. You know, my grandmother used to make what she called succotash, but it's essentially shepherd's pie. Um, it was creamed corn, ground beef, and potatoes. And that that was a staple in their house for year at least once a week for years and years and years. And I am an absolute cream corn lover. I don't eat it anymore, but I was for years. And my wife would always she'd be like, "I want to make shepherd's pie, but I'm not using cream corn." And I'm like, "Well, then that's blasphemy. Just don't even make it. <laughs> it's, you're just breaking the rules now. That's not fair." And, and were other people heavy in your family? Yes, uh, almost everybody. For the most part, um, my my mom was heavy for pretty much her whole life. Uh, there were points where uh, I don't know if you remember back with the the whole fenfen rage, fentramine, fenfluramine. Um, both my mom and my dad were on that for a, a decent period of time, um, and both lost a ton of weight doing that. Um, but then you know, you of course not addressing the habits, the bad habits, the type of food you're eating she put it all back on and then some, um, my dad's always been heavy up until, uh, until about that time with the, the Fen Fen. And then he, he kind of yo-yoed a little bit up and down, but he is back to a more, uh, ketogenic way of eating. Now he actually, he and my stepmom live in Florida. Um, and he's at the first, for the first time as an adult, I believe he told me a couple weeks ago that he's not even overweight anymore. He's actually at a normal weight. So I'm, I'm really happy for him and I'm really proud of him because, you know, I know it's taken a really long time to get to that point, just like it did for me. Um, so it's it's was super cool to hear that from him. But yeah, I mean, my uncles, my grandfather, my grandmother. Um, on my dad's side, not so much. My grandparents were both rail thin, uh, but they were both smokers and just didn't really eat a lot. And, uh, you know, I don't know how, how my dad developed into the, the larger frame that he has. But um, my mom's side of the family, for sure, just about everybody's overweight. Mm -hmm. And as you got older, you know, you talked about, you know, being bullied for your size. Like, were you, at that point, was that when the cycle of trying diet started for you? Like, when did you actually not just become conscious, you know, that your, your weight had made you stand out, but you needed to do something about it? Like, you actually started actively trying things. Was that 
a family thing? Was it something you did on your own? Like, take us into how that developed. That actually didn't start for me until I was married. Uh, my wife and I met when I was 23. No, 22. Excuse me. It was 22. 1999, July 31st. Never forget the day. Um, we had our first date. And we got married in 2000. So I was 23 when I got married, but 22 when we met. Uh, we Our relationship developed very, very quickly. Uh, we had our first date July, the last day of July. She moved in with me about two weeks later. Uh, in September, we were engaged, and she was pregnant with our oldest in October. So it moved very, very quickly. I fell in love very, very fast with her um, because she's fantastic. I mean, there's just not nothing not to love about her. Um, but it was it was the fact that okay I'm a dad now um, I'm not that idiot that ran around and did all the crazy stuff as a, a teenager and a 20 year old expecting to only live to 25 because I was just doing stupid things that uh, you know I have I have a son now I have a child that I need to make sure is taken care of so at, at that point I actually went into Atkins or I modified the Atkins I would go even lower carb than what he suggested. Um, and I think I started probably at around 375 back then, was about as big as I had ever gotten. Uh, and I got down to 305 and maintained that for a little while. Um, and then, uh, you know, through various stages, I, you know, I, at one point I wanted to be a strong man. So I said, well, why am I trying, why am I going to eat less food and be weak and pretty when I can be goofy looking and strong and eat whatever I want? So I kind of went that route for a while, and and things just eventually got out of control. Uh, but I I never never really thought about dieting um, until, like I said, probably my my early twenties was yeah. the first time I ever really tried to do something different. And take you know you said things get things getting out of control. What did that look like for you? Like how did where did that come to? Uh, a lot less exercise and and actual movement. Um, you know, I, I went from working multiple jobs a week to working one sedentary job. Um, you know, I, I ran a, I was a assistant manager and then a store manager at uh, Casual Mail Big and Tall, which now most people know as Destination XL. Um, you know, I started, like I said, as an assistant manager there, and then I, when I first took that job, I was a um, a training instructor in a group home, so I worked with developmentally disabled adults some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. Um, but I, I, a lot of both of those jobs were, they were polar opposites, you know, big and tall. I sat around on a chair all day and waited for customers to come in. I stood up maybe eight or 10 times at a shift, you know, for an eight hour shift. Uh, whereas at the group home, you know, even working third shift, I was constantly on my feet moving, you know, getting people in and out of the bathroom, getting people in and out of bed, getting showers done, getting meals prepped, cleaning, all that stuff. So it wasn't so bad then. Um, and then once I left that job and just went to a, a pure retail, that's kind of when things really took off the wrong way. Uh, and I got, I, you know, I ballooned up and, and got very, very heavy, very, very quickly, as a matter of fact. Um, at that point in time, I was also doing a bit of stand up comedy. I never got really much past the, the open mic phase. You know, I did some shows with friends and such, but I was never, never anything, you know, big. I was never at a comedy club per se uh, doing shows, but I drank a lot. It was a lot of fast food because it was a lot of, you know, oh, I get out of work, jump in the car on a Saturday and fly up to Worcester, 
you know, uh, 45 minutes to an hour to do a show, what's the best I'm going to do? I'm going to stop at Wendy's and get three Baconators and that's going to be my dinner. So things got out of control very quickly with that. And, you know, before I knew it, um, you know, I was, I was well up over 400 pounds. And was there a shift in your, like, in terms of your relationship with food at that point? Like, was it more just continuing that life of, of access, you know, access so you would eat it? Yeah, basically, yeah, that, that was, that was pretty much what it was. It, it was never a conscious thought. It was, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. Uh, but a lot of the problem, and, and I've subsequently learned this in the last couple of years is I'm, I'm an emotional eater. So, for me, if anything was going wrong, if I was mad, if I was sad, if I was, you know, disappointed, whatever, everything revolved around food. So it was, oh, I've, you know, I'm, I'm celebrating the fact that, you know, I made this bonus at work. Let me go get something to eat. You know, let me have a giant bowl of ice cream. Let me have three candy bars, you know, and, and it just think little things like that would add up quickly and again going from active to sedentary didn't really help me either so i i think it was a lot of uh just opportunistic type eating and and eating for any reason at all based on an emotional response right and one of the things you mentioned a few minutes ago was eventually you know getting lymphedema surgery what can you can you check because i i haven't talked to a lot of guests that have actually gone through you know, actually developing lymphedema and talking, you know, or talking about it to an, to that extent. Um, did when did that you know start to become something that you were conscious of, and you know, take it? Maybe even people right might not know what lymphedema is. If you want to talk a little bit about it, right? Okay, so uh, from it presents itself differently in a lot of different people. It really kind of depends on you know where it strikes. Sometimes it's. Um, a lot of people develop it as as or develop it after treatment for cancer. Uh, so you know, chemo will tend to completely mess up your lymphatic system. The lymph nodes don't drain the fluid. It builds up under the skin, and it it looks basically it looks like you've got giant fat whatever body part you know is is affected. Uh, a lot of people get it in their legs or in their arms, especially people who are very heavy, very obese. Uh, will tend to have it in their their legs uh, or their arms. It's it's basically just the lymphatic system isn't working correctly, and the lymph nodes aren't draining the interstitial fluid. So I unfortunately developed it in my scrotum. Um, there are very few people that this happens to on a regular basis. Um, I believe the biggest case was 160 pounds. It was Wesley Warren Jr. You may have seen him on TV. Anybody who's listening. Um, you know, the stories about him, he lived in Vegas, unfortunately passed away after he was able to have surgery to fix it. Uh, I actually spoke to the doctor that did his surgery in hopes of going out and having him do the surgery because I went through four different surgeons here before I found one that would actually do it for me. Um, and it would have cost me a hundred thousand dollars to fly to California to have that operation done. Uh, which of course, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't working at the time, couldn't really be working at the time. Uh, that was probably around 2011, I think, that that kicked in, maybe 2012. It started uh, where I kind of noticed that, you know, my, my man bits were about the size of an orange uh, and almost with the same texture on the outside. You know, you get that kind of pitting on the outside of an orange. It, it That's what the skin was like. 
and I said, something's not right here. And I went to a urologist and he's like, oh, you know, that's, that'll, that'll come from, from being overweight. Um, you know, and I was, I was definitely over four, 400 pounds at this point, you know, 425, 450, somewhere in that area. Uh, he said, we call that peau d'orange French for, you know, orange, I think it's orange peel or something along those lines. Um, he said, you basically, if you lose weight, it'll go away. So I was like, I don't know how I feel of all that, about all that. It was, it was really not that I didn't want to lose weight. I, of course I want to be healthy, but it, it just didn't seem like what he was saying was right. So I continued to just kind of let it go and it got bigger and it got bigger and it got bigger uh, to the point where I was pretty much carrying around two large watermelons in the front of my pants. Um, it, it had spread to the area above uh, my man parts. So the, what anybody would call the fupa, basically that, that, that mons pubis, I guess, the kind of top of your pubic bone. Um, there was a giant fluid lump there and then my scrotum had swelled as well so it was that entire area was was completely out of whack uh i believe when they did the surgery uh may 20th of 2016 i'll never forget that date either um dr charles castiglione out of farmington completely saved my life with that surgery um i have pictures on my instagram of me the morning of the surgery and you could see the misery on my face i was just ready to be done um, had, and had I not found him, I don't know that we'd be having this conversation because I was that close to not wanting to be on the planet anymore. And I, I hate to say things like taking my own life because I've never been a big believer in that for myself. Um, and, and it would be incredibly impossible on my family to deal with. But I'd, I still don't know that I'd be here at this point if it wasn't for Dr. Castiglione. So shout out to him if he's listening. I'm going to send him the link to this when it's done. Um but he really changed my life with that. Removed 50 pounds of tissue, uh, completely reconstructed my entire groin area. And I spent five days in the hospital. I got an infection afterwards. So recovering from that, um, spent five days after. But there's before and after pictures, I think, on my Instagram too, of me with my thumbs up smiling the day I was relieved from the hospital because it was the greatest relief on earth to me to not have to be saddled with essentially 50 pound balls, you know, that that's basically what it was. You know, I would have to, I brought a, I had a milk crate that I would carry with me in my suburban anywhere that I went, because if I had to drive or sit in the passenger seat, that's what I would rest myself on because otherwise it hung and it was so painful just to hang there off the edge of the seat. There was nothing else that I could do. So I had to do something to kind of alleviate that stress. So you went through that in 2016. Were you at that point, like where, where do we come to that you decided it was time to actually make the change that you made in terms of pursuing weight loss, overall health? So that started November of 2017. Uh, my wife and I, my wife had finally decided that she was going to try keto. Uh, as I said before, I did a modified Atkins. I kind of did it to my my own specifications. Uh, but she said, I want to try this keto thing. You know, she she was on Facebook. She read a lot about it from, you know, people who had great success with it on Facebook. And I said, all right, I'm in. Let's let's do this. I've done it. I've done it before. I can do it again. I'm, I'm in. I, you know, I want to I want to get healthy again. And, you know, after the surgery, I was I was doing pretty well, but I had started to pack the pounds back on again. 
Uh, I think I started keto at about 450. Uh, we both lost weight fairly rapidly. Um, by uh, probably the six month point, maybe maybe eight months, I was down to 349, which had been the lowest I had been in a really long time. And I was super excited to have broken 350. Um, that was the greatest thing in the world to me at that point was was hitting that number. Um, and then, uh, you know, things were, were going okay and I stalled. My, my biggest issue with keto was overdoing keto stuff, eating keto products. Um, you know, you go to Aldi and they have these, these two net carb keto bars and I'm like, oh, I'll grab two and then I'll, I'll slap what I consider two tablespoons of peanut butter in between the two bars and eat them like a, a sandwich cookie, you know, and, and my two tablespoons is really more like 12 tablespoons. So I'm, I'm completely going off the rails and, and I'm like, why am I stuck at this weight? Why is this not working? Um, and then the hammer dropped in, uh, June, June 25th or 24th rather of 2019. Uh, my wife woke up to go to work and found my mom passed away in our house. Um, and that absolutely destroyed me. Um, you know, my, my parents divorced when I was young. Um, my dad was always around. I, I, I don't want it to seem like my dad wasn't there, but a, a lot of it was my mom and I, my mom, you know, I lived with my mom. She raised me. She imparted the values that I have, you know, living with my grandparents for a time, living with my aunt and uncle, you know, obviously all that played a, a role, but it was always me and my mom. My mom and I were very, very close. Uh, my wife was broken by this just as much as I was because, but she considered my mom her best friend. Um, you know, she didn't have, she wasn't in very good health. Uh, she had gone into a medication-induced coma in 2017 after a respiratory infection, and I thought I was going to lose her then. Thankfully, she made it out of that, and we moved her in with us um, at that point. We said, nope, you, we're not doing this anymore. You know, you, you need to live with us so we can make sure you're taken care of. So when, when she passed, the bottom fell out. Um, you know, they, they say I fell off the wagon. I didn't fall off the wagon. I jumped off the train, and then every train that came by for the next you know, two months after that, I jumped in front of it. Um, I can tell you the day after my mom passed, I went back to work. Uh, we had just recently opened our business here locally to us. And uh, I went back into work the second day, you know, the day after my mom passed, I didn't even take another day off. And uh, the, the young lady across the hall that ran the yoga studio said, hey, you know, I know you're feeling down. Why don't you have the family come up? We'll have a pizza party and, and try to, you know, kind of, Get, our, get everybody's minds off of everything. And I, I shoveled down a giant, large macaroni and cheese pizza with no issues that day. And that I just, I knew it, that was going to be it, that I was going to be off the rails. So it took until I had kind of just given up on it at that point. I would go back to it here and there and then fall off and go back to it and fall off. Uh, it really took until January 7th of 2020 was when I decided uh, that I was going to try carnivore. Um, I had some friends that had told me about it and I thought it was nuts at the time, but, uh, my cousin and I, and my wife decided that we were going to do this weight loss contest, the three of us. However, we decided we were going to do it. I decided carnivore. My wife went back to strict keto. Um, and we each put in 50 bucks and I ended up at the end of the 12 weeks, I ended up winning. Um, and I just, I kept going and I haven't, I haven't fallen off since because it's done absolutely amazing things for me. And my wife is still very strict keto. Um, and she's lost a massive amount of weight 
I mean, she's you know up around the same amount as me. I think at, from her heaviest, she's down uh, 175 or 180 pounds. So it's it's been it's been a fantastic ride these last two years, you know, especially being able to do it together and being able to kind of share a lot of the same stuff is has been a huge help for us. Oh yeah, I mean that's a a challenge that a lot of people deal with when one partner is on track and one partner is not or just doesn't understand the issues or things along those lines like so having that that support is incredible you know at times like a, a, a powerful force and where where were you at when you started carnivore i was 425.2 pounds mm. and because I, I i think sometimes like you said you know like you said carnivore sounded crazy um so i'm sure there's some people right. listening who feel the same way what was it like for you getting you know going to carnivore like what was that transition like for you well i decided you know since i had fallen off so many times and had so many issues before and just kind of overdid it because i wasn't dedicated to it you know i thought that i could just eat whatever i wanted as much as i wanted as long as it fit within the parameters of keto um, you know, without counting macros. And I, I, I learned very early on that I'm not a moderator. I'm an abstainer. Uh, so I have to stay away from the things that are going, uh, the, the Aldi bars that I'm going to eat, you know, two of with a, a ton of peanut butter. And then two hours later, oh, I'm going to have two more because it's really only like 12 total grams of carbs I've had today from this, but it's really not. It's more like, you know, 60 at that point. Um, so a lot of it, I, I'm, I'm a big movie buff movie and music and uh I, i'm a john wick fan john one of my favorite film series absolutely love it probably second to me after star wars uh and i decided that you know watching john wick when they explained who john wick is that he is a man of fear pure focus and determination and i said that's what i'm going to bring into carnivore i'm going to bring focus and determination i'm not going to allow myself to fall off that track again um, so even if it's nuts, even if it's, you know, completely out of bounds and people are, are losing their mind that this is what I'm doing, I don't care. I'm going to do it and I'm going to see how far I can go. And if it doesn't work, then I'll find something else, but I'm going to be so dedicated to it and so focused on it at least for those 12 weeks so I can win some money because <laughs> let's, let's face it. Money's a great motivator. Um, you know, at least for those 12 weeks, I'm going to get this done. And I found out very early on that I really didn't have to focus all that hard. I did anyway, you know, but once I lost the cravings for the crap that I used to eat, it's really been smooth sailing the entire ride. That's awesome, man. And, and I, one, I do have to say out there, I do, I do think one thing that people need to be taught in school that they're not taught is how to measure peanut butter. Because absolutely, I, I swear, almost... To a person, almost every person that I ever talk to, you know, whether it's here on the podcast or on Instagram or things along those lines, even people in the keto space, it's that measuring of nut butters that comes down mm -hmm. to being something that everyone learns eventually that, you know, a, a soup spoon, a ladle of peanut butter is not a tablespoon of peanut butter. What an actual table and what an actual tablespoon of peanut butter looks like when you weigh it out is almost depressing when you look at what you, how it you used to measure it. Like, <laughs> it is. So you I know how I used to rationalize it was I used to, I used to take the actual tablespoon that you eat with and I would take as large of a scoop as I could with that tablespoon and go, that's one tablespoon. Right. 
as long as it, as long as it fa- yeah, as long as it fits on the spoon. Like even even when right. I would use a it's measuring even when I would use a measuring spoon, like I'd get to that point of like I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use like my measuring spoons to measure this out. It's it's like you build the dome to end all domes in the world over the top of that right. measuring spoon. Right. But as long as it's not falling off, as long as it holds itself together, you know, you're in the good. You're in the clear. You're you're doing good. And yeah, it's yeah. Like, you're, well, you're set. You're good to go. You know, not really, not really at the end of the day, but yeah, no, not the healthiest thing. Oh, for sure. And I think the learning that you know brought the, you brought up that lesson of abstainer versus moderator. I think that's something also for people that is a hard, hard place to come to because especially when you've entered into a healthier way of eating and you're like, well, these are all things that I see other people eating and they're losing weight and they're not stalling and they're doing good and this is all fine and dandy for them. You know, why for me, you know, like you said, why is it not just one, I have one Aldi bar and I'm good. Why is it two Aldi bars with the peanut butter and then two more a little bit later? Like understanding how you respond to different foods, even when they're quote unquote healthy you know, is so important is like a huge, you know, a huge revelation. Most definitely. Um, I can, I can remember I wrestled in high school, um, you know, coming home from wrestling practice and eating dinner, you know, and then, you know, two hours later I would go in the kitchen, get out four slices of white bread, a rubber spatula, the, uh, the industrial sized, you know, BJ's wholesale club tub of mayonnaise, I take a big scoop of that, splap it on each piece of bread and like six pieces of American cheese. Eat both of those, you know, and then go to bed. And I would I would eat those sandwiches when I on the days I didn't have wrestling practice, coming home from school. Oh, I'm hungry. Eat two sandwiches and then boom, two hours later, dinner time. And still just shove it down. I've never been a moderator. I, I've never I never learned that skill. Um and, and now I'm at the point where I, I'm you know, I figured out how to be able to fit it in, so I don't even want to learn the skill anymore. You know, I I enjoy going in the into the freezer and getting out eight quarter pound beef patties, throwing them on the griddle and covering up the whole griddle, and then eating all of them. I I, I love I still love to eat. I just now have changed what I eat to fit in to be able to eat as much as I want. And what has what's what has your progress been like? Take us into what it's been like for the past. So you know, for we're coming. You're just past two years, carnivore. You know what has the impact been, not just on your weight, but your overall life experience. Uh, it's been an absolute game changer for me. Um, I actually weighed in this morning just for fun because I hadn't weighed in in a while. I I tend to to stay away from the scale. Um, I I didn't at first. I was obsessive about it. You know, the first probably six months to a year, I was obsessive about it. And then the inches started coming off and things started to fit better or or they fit like they had never fit before. And I started running out of clothes to wear because I was everything was too big. Um, And I've I've always been I've always enjoyed baggy clothes because being a big guy, you want that extra space. You know, and I I used to rock a, a 5X tall like it was nobody's business. And it got to a point where, uh, you know, I got on the scale this morning, like I said, for fun. And I was at uh, 227.4, which would be by far the lowest that I've been um, in, in, in memory that I can remember. Short of, short of third grade at 155 pounds, which I'm, if I was 155 pounds, I'd be skin and bones at this point. 
Um, I think my bone structure probably weighs more than 155 pounds. But, uh, you know, it was nice to hit that number and be like, wow, I'm actually close to 200 pounds of total loss at this point since I started eating carnivore. Uh, but it's not just the weight. You know, the weight is nice. The weight is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. You know, being able to walk into Walmart and buy jeans and buy t-shirts and buy hoodies, um, that's nothing I've ever been able to do before. Uh, not, not as a, you know, not, not since I was a kid, at least, uh, you know, going to the Husky section at Sears or JC Penney to buy pants and, and, you know, having to wear Husky or having to wear men's clothes. Um, I can honestly remember getting dressed for my eighth grade prom and, uh, you know, we're about the same age. So I don't know if you remember, uh, Z Cavaricci were the, the, the pants that everybody wanted to wear. And the biggest they made them in was a size 38. And I had to struggle to get a pair of size 38 Z Cavaricis on to wear these for my, my prom. And I'm now wearing 32s and 34s. You know, obviously I still wear my clothes below my stomach because it's just what I'm comfortable with. But uh, I've, I've never, as an adult, been anywhere near as small as I am now. So that, that part is great. But the, the, part, the other part that's fantastic is the, uh, the, the lack of inflammation. The, I had two autoimmune conditions, a rheumatoid arthritis and uh, another wonderful one that everybody should love called hydrogenitis suppurativa. Uh, the no more common name is acne inversa. Basically, I would get giant boils under my armpits uh, to the point where I actually went in for surgery in September of 2019. Uh, I believe it was 2019 with the intent to have both armpits done at the same time. And the doctor got me in and got me prepped and the anesthesiologist came in and they decided that they were only going to do one arm because I was so big, it would be almost impossible to roll me over to do the other one. Um, so I had my entire right armpit cut out, resected, and stitched back up. Uh, if I lift my arm, I look like Frankenstein's monster under there. It's uh, it, it took a lot out of me. But once I started Carnivore within a couple of months, I noticed that the boils on the other side had not only stopped forming, they were gone. Um, I was on, you know, various anti-inflammatories, Nibumatone, Meloxicam, uh, I think Meloxicam is Nibumatone, actually, uh, or that may be the Diclofenac. I, I can never remember all the medications. I've been on so many for my entire life that it, it's just disgusting at this point. But uh, all my anti-inflammatories, I was on uh, an injectable steroid to keep those at bay. And that's that's gone. Now, all the medications... Are, for the most part, are gone at this point. Um, my mental health, I was diagnosed bipolar. Uh, I had vicious anxiety. I went and had a neuropsychological examination right at the beginning when I first started carnivore. And, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD from losing my mom, abandonment issues, and, and you know, a vicious um, anxiety disorder. And they said, you know, because there was the thought was there that it wasn't bipolar, that maybe it was a, a form of adult ADHD. And the doctor said, no, there's no attention issues with you. It's your anxiety disorder is so bad that it's presenting like you're having attention issues, um, you know, where you can't focus on things you forget, you, you lose your place. Um, so that went from being, you know, fairly severely mentally, uh, mentally ill. I'll just say it straight out to 
all of those medications are now gone. 10 plus years of Zoloft I was on, gone. I don't take a single psych med other than an occasional Xanax for, um, you know, really bad anxiety issues. If I, if I have some, some issues with my mom, thinking of my mom coming back, you know, on occasion I'll have to take one of those, but I take nothing daily anymore. Um, so that's, it's been a massive improvement for me as far as that goes. My energy is up. I was out shoveling with the kids yesterday. You know, I, I always like to tease my kids and say, I didn't have children so that I could keep doing chores. You know, so you, you get to do all the crap that I used to do, you know, so, but I was out there with them shoveling last night. In fact, they, they kicked me out and told me to go in the house and cook dinner because they were getting hungry and I was wasting too much time shoveling with them. So, uh, you know, the ability to do that, uh, another big one is things like theme parks, never really been able to do theme parks as an adult, you know, a, a couple of rides here and there, um, but nothing major. And I went to a carnival with my youngest son, who's 14, uh, this past summer, and we rode rides together. Stuff that I never would have been able to fit on, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, we go, my, my youngest and I go go-kart racing just about every Thursday. There's an indoor kart track here by us. Um, we had to take a couple months off because he crashed back in early November. His first race at adult speed. He crashed and broke his ankle and his thumb. So we had to take some time off, but we went back and did that this week. And I can fit in the carts. You know, I was never able to do that before. It was so much that I missed out on, you know, in, in the early years of my kids' lives that now I can finally start to make up for. You know, I didn't fly much because I was so big and it was uncomfortable. And, and now I've, there's extra space in the seat. You know, going to the movies, there's extra space in the seat. Like it, all this stuff is just—it's still all fairly new to me, but it's all—it's all been the best part of this yeah. journey. And I think that the the parental side of things is something you know I hear from people a lot when I'm, you know, especially when I'm talking to people that want to get started on a journey, you know, on Instagram. You know, it's that talking about what their lives are like as parents, you know, and what they're not like as parents, you know, what they can't access and what they can't do, and wanting. You know, and it's not about saying that someone's a bad parent, you know, because they're overweight, but it's that idea of being able to access those experiences with your children is powerful. Right. And what... Yeah, I agree. It, no, it's, um, it, it's definitely a, a, a blessing to be able to now do a lot of the things that I wasn't able to do. You know, instead of perpetuating the cycle and just continually sitting on the couch and watching television and screwing around online, you know, and, and pretty much wasting your life away. Now we can go out and do things, you know, we can go walk around stores. We can go, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big fisherman. I love to fish. Um, I, even when I was overweight, I still fished even before, you know, when I had the lymphedema before I had the surgery, I still went out and fished. Um, but it, it's a lot more comfortable now. It's a lot easier to get out and about than it was back then, you know, and, and it leads to, to being more active in general and just getting out of the house in general, rather than sitting around and, and just continuing that same vicious cycle that doesn't ever get you broken out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I've talked about before on the show with guests. It's that idea. It's, it's not just, you know, the fitting, when you talked about being able to shop at Walmart, it's not just about being able to fit in those clothes. It's about access. It's about, you know, when you know, you know, you know, when you're in the high 400s, over 500, your options are limited. So planning for things becomes this 
incredible challenge that we adapt to and we handle. But when that goes away, it's like almost like you don't realize the amount of, of rent that took up in your head. You know, even just having to know where you can get pants, where you can find a shirt, like knowing that, you know, that it's not, you know, my, one of my biggest anxieties, you know, because I did travel when I was bigger, you know, because I loved going to Disney World. Uh, my thought was always I, I would have anxiety until I saw my luggage because I was like, if I don't have luggage, like if my luggage doesn't show up, I have the clothes I'm wearing. There's nowhere for me to go to get clothes. You know, even if I could find a casual mail at that point or a DXL, you know, I don't fit in to most of the clothes there. Like, so what happened? You know, I, so it would, it would be to the point that I would always make sure that I had a backup outfit in my carry on because I had that fear of what happens, you know, like living that life. Like it just, it, it takes up so much mental room that I think then it even exacerbates the other issues that are going on because you're, you're having to use that bandwidth in areas that, most people aren't right. And that's a, that's a great point that people often don't think about, you know, I, I certainly that doesn't get brought to the forefront for me a lot, but you know, as you're mentioning it, I, we love to do escape rooms. We have a, a, some friends that we like to go out and, and do that with. And, uh, there were a lot of times where I was like, I just, I don't feel like going because one, I don't want to be, if, if it's not just going to be the four of us, I don't want to do it because I don't want to be around or random people. I don't want to have to be stuck in a room for an hour with, you know, three people that I know and then another nine people that I don't know. Um, you know, I, I know that I'm not going to be able to stand up this whole time because my knees are going to kill me. My lower back's going to kill me. Um, you know, I, I know there's not going to be anywhere to sit in that escape room and I would still go and do it. Um, but I would seek out easier things to get around. So if, if we went to some place like that and the place was on the second floor, I'm like, oh, please have an elevator. I don't want, even want to walk up a set of stairs. It's it just, you know, it, but that's it, a valid point. Like I said, that when you mentioned it, bringing it back, that's the kind of stuff that I think about is, is you're right, access and accessibility and just being comfortable in having the ability to do something that, that was very much out of the realm before. You know, where you had to make all these accommodations for it. Uh, it's it's almost like being pregnant, where you know I have to make a special accommodation for this because, you know, I, I have a, a growing human inside of me, but I didn't have a growing human. I just had a bunch of excess crap that I was shoving in my face. It, it it's that ability to be able to just say yes without having to give it a second thought. You know, right. you, you can Absolutely. say yes to opportunities, like instead of saying no and then maybe figuring out that you could do it and changing your answer. Like it's, it's that ability to, you know, enter into that unknown at times and not have to worry right. about, can I stand? Will there be stairs? Will there be a chair that will be comfortable for me? Or is this going to be one of those moments where I get somewhere and have to realize how do I, what do I use as an excuse to leave this time? You know, how do I get out right. of this? You know, it life, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like when you're that big, life can be an escape room. Like, how do I, you know, how do I get out of this situation Definitely. as quickly as possible? Because I know what I'm headed to if I'm stuck here. Right. And that's very much been a, a hallmark of, of my, my life mentally is, um, you know, do I want to continue doing this? And if I don't, how fast, what kind of excuse can I come up with to get out of it? Mm -hmm. So, man, one of the things you talked about was, you know, you discovered that you were an emotional eater. And so I do want to kind of just looking at your experience with carnivore for the past few years, obviously 
that relationship with food changes. You know, what, knowing that food had been that emotional release for you, like, what do you think is, fills that space now? Because I think that's a question that people ask a lot, like, okay, you know, and the, and the answer is always you need to find what that is for yourself. But I'm curious for you, like, what do you think has taken that place in your life? Uh, just honestly, the, the joy of being alive, I think at this point, um, the joy of not being that same guy, I can look in the mirror and still see the fat kid in the mirror. I, you know, I think a lot of us that are overweight, that's what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Um, I could see the progress, but I still see the same guy. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't feel different when I look in the mirror. I notice the changes, but I still feel like that same guy. I'm still that jolly fat guy that used to dress like Santa every year or who, uh, you know, we go to a hollow with a, a, a couple that are, we're friends with that would put on a Halloween party every year. And to me, it was always about wearing the least amount of clothes and having the most shocking costume to freak everybody out. Cause I was the big fat guy, you know, and it was easy to do at that point. So, um, I think it's really the joy of not having to worry about that anymore and just being alive and not, I, I don't, I don't feel the need to eat now as emotion, as an emotional response. Um, so it's not just a matter of changing it to eat the right things during that time. I can feel that, that pain, that emotional pain or that emotional, you know, whatever it happens to be the upheaval at the time. And my first thought is not, what can I eat? Um, and I, I, I owe a lot of that to not only the diet, but to therapy as well. You know, I, I did go to therapy after my mom passed and worked through a lot of my issues and saw that I didn't have to let the, the bad thoughts control my actions, that I could do things and not worry about that, that it was okay to feel it, but that it was also okay to let it go. Um, and I think that was a lot of it that, and, and honestly fasting, um, by forcing myself to fast for, you know, anywhere from 24 to 120 hours at first really kind of helped me see that, okay, nothing bad's going to happen if I don't eat, you know, I, I'm not. It, I'm not going to wither away. Obviously, you know, I was I was very large. It was it was no threat of withering away at that point. Um, but nothing bad is going to happen if I don't eat as a response to that emotional reaction. You know, if I if I had a a bad thought, I had a thought about my mom coming up. I didn't need to immediately go seek out a pizza or even a steak or a hamburger. I didn't have to do any of that anymore because I could feel it. And if I forced myself to stay away from the food, nothing bad was going to happen from not ingesting it. So I think that helped tremendously as well. I do not fast near as much as I used to. I haven't done an extended fast at this point in probably close to a year, um, at least six months, but probably close to a year. I am naturally gravitating towards OMAD and TUMAD, you know, one meal a day or two meals a day, um, and just eating when I'm hungry and letting, letting my body take care of it. Mm. That's great, man. And so if anyone out there is listening, is hearing about, you know, eating carnivore and thinking it's something they want to look at, you know, what is your advice to someone who's considering, you know, entering into the carnivore diet? Get as much information as you can. Tell your doctor. Don't hide it from your doctor. Because if something goes wrong, that's the person that's going to save your ass. 
my doctor was supportive of anything that I could possibly do to lose weight and regain my health. Um, I, I've had the same doctor since I was 14. So 31 years now, I've been going to the same guy. Uh, my whole family goes to the same doctor. It, it's, you know, he's always been supportive of anything that I could do to lose weight. Um, so that that is a very important part is even if your doctor does not agree with what you're doing, please let them know. Have, keep up on things. Get your blood tests. Get everything done and just make sure that you're monitoring yourself as well as having the doctor monitor you and go for it. Go all in. If you're not going to go all in, if you're going to half-ass it, if you're going to you do whatever, you, you've got to be at a point where you tell yourself, this is what I have to do for my health. This is what I have to do to make sure that I'm not going to die in five years or 10 years or how, a year even. Go all in. Give it a try because you, you may find that it doesn't work for you and that's fine. I'm a big believer in bio-individuality, people not, you know, everybody doing the same thing. I think a lot of the same tenets are there and are valid for, for most people. But I, you know, I don't expect everybody to be a carnivore. Uh, in fact, it's probably not a good idea if everybody's a carnivore because then you're going to start taking away my steak and hamburgers, and there's not going to be enough for me. Um, but you know, it, it's it it is a it is a a process that you really need to dedicate yourself to. And I think whatever diet plan or or, or lifestyle change you determine to make, you need to go all out. You need to do it to the best that you can, and trust the process and let it work itself out. Because especially with carnivore, everyone is going to respond differently. I lost a lot of weight right away. Um, you know, I've done interviews with guys who it took them six months to lose weight. That happens frequently with ladies doing carnivore because often their their hormones are so out of whack. Uh, and even ladies doing keto, their their hormones are so out of whack that they need six months to, you know, nine months to a year to re-regulate themselves to the point where, okay, now their body is comfortable with shedding the weight. They're not holding that as a defense mechanism anymore. Um, so it, it's a matter of kind of trusting the process. And as long as you, you feel good and things are improving, keep plugging, keep pushing forward. If something's wrong, seek help. Don't hesitate to seek help because it's the worst thing that you can do is start to have chest pains and go, oh, I just need to up my fats. No, you need to go to the hospital if something like that's happening. It's important to, to monitor your own health, but to have somebody monitor it as well as far as a doctor and just to give it your all. That's the most important thing, I think, is to dedicate yourself to it and push and do whatever you can to change your health because nobody's going to be able to do it for you. I think that's fantastic advice, and I, I think especially that idea of building that consciousness around your health and having other people, you know, having your doctor involved. I, I think that's something a lot of, you know, a lot of people who are, especially people who are significantly overweight, develop a fear of doctors. I know that was something I lived with for a really long time, and I think it's understanding that, one, and this is also the other piece that I think people miss with doctors is, the doctor works for you, you don't work for the doctor. So... Have that doc, you know, having a doctor help and, and be aware of what you're doing and all of that is just a, a, a big, a part of the bigger picture. And if the doctor says, I don't want you to do this, you can still decide to do something. You know, they don't come into your house and, and control what you're doing, but at least at the ver you're having that dialogue and you're exploring, you know, you're having that information out there and they know what's going on and, 
and you can determine if that relationship is something that you want to continue with that doctor or find someone else. Like you have that option. And sometimes I think people forget that they forget that, you know, you're, it's, it's not like they're just an employee of yours, but you know, you, you go to that doctor for them to help you. You're not going to them to help them. You know, I mean, you right. do with money. And I think a lot of that but, too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that too is that for so long, people who are, are very large, very obese, they, they go to the doctor and when they go to the doctor, they get lectured, you know, or they get talked to, you have to lose weight, you have to do this. And, and if you're not ready for it, you're just not going to do it. That's all there is to it. It, it. You can, you can, you know, one until they're blue in the face, but if they are not ready to make that change, they're just not going to do it. And unfortunately, some people wait too long or they, they never make that change at all. Um, so I think a lot of that fear of the doctor is, you know, the, the access again, like you mentioned before, it's also the fear of getting lectured, getting yelled at, getting almost getting in trouble for your, your lifestyle choices. And then that also manifests itself when you tell the doctor, I'm going to do keto, I'm going to do carnivore. When you basically, you tell them something outside of what's considered the normal quote unquote realm of weight loss with calorie counting and weight watchers or, you know, anything, anything very basic as far as weight loss, eating healthy, you know, I'm going to eat quinoa and, and just boiled chicken breast that the doctor is going to say, oh no, don't do that. That's dangerous. That's not going to work. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what you've done, you know, or, or what you've, you've, the people you've spoken to have done, um, you know, that's not going to work. That's going to be unhealthy. And they're afraid to hear that. They're afraid to have that continuation because it perpetuates the same thing over and over again. One, they got yelled at for being fat, but now you're, you're getting yelled at for the way that you choose to lose weight. And I think that's a, a big struggle for a lot of people is they just, they don't want to hear it. They don't want, they don't want to be told this is wrong because they know in their heart, maybe it's not wrong. Maybe it's what I need to do. But I, I tell people all the time, don't, don't let that bother you. Don't let the fear of anything get to you. Make sure that your doctor knows at a bare minimum, they know what you're doing. So they know what to expect if something goes wrong. And again, if your doctor doesn't support it and if they're going to keep lecturing you, Maybe it's time to find a new doctor. If you're if you're going in and you know you're eating keto or you're eating carnivore or you're eating however you're eating doesn't matter. If you go into the doctor and you've lost seventy five pounds in six months and your doctor lectures you about the type of food that you're eating, something's wrong there. You need to then seek out another opinion because at that point that doctor's not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for the the stuff that they learned in school and validating that, that degree on the wall rather than validating your health. Mm. I like it, man. I like it. Well, Dave, I have really appreciated you sharing your story today and, and starting this dialogue here. If people do want to follow you, track you down, check out some of those pictures you were talking about, where do they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram under cursing carnivore, all one word. Uh, at Kirsten Carnivore, obviously, if you're on Instagram. Uh, I am also on Facebook. I'm in a couple of different carnivore groups on Facebook. If carnivore is something that you're looking to get to try, uh, Dave Zamoider, Z-A-M-O-I-D-E-R, is how you spell my last name. Pronounce just how it's spelled. You don't have to add any extra Bs or Rs to it like people have done my whole life. It's it's always been hilarious having a last name that starts with Z. Uh, but, you know, that's that's where I'm at. Is I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. I tend to kind of shy away from it because there's there's a lot I don't like on it. 
Oh yeah. Uh, but Instagram <laughs> seems to be a lot of fun. So I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. Uh, we're running. I'm with another uh, carnivore coach. I was actually certified recently through Rivero, which used to be Meet RX for those who who are familiar with the carnivore space. Um, I taken my exams as far as carnivore and fasting coach uh all i need to do is my mock interviews and get put on the platform so i'm going to be starting that very soon in the next week or so uh you know doing carnivore coaching for people but i'm always around to to troubleshoot and help people and and have you pick my brain i love to do it i love to help people um this is something that's come on since i've started carnivore where i'm i'm a lot more uh, empathetic towards other people's plights than I used to be. I used to be kind of a shut everybody out to hell with everybody else kind of guy. But now I want to help people do what I did. You know, I want to help people get to a point where they're comfortable in their own skin again. So we've been running some support groups for the last year or so. I mean, we actually just started one now for February in the last couple of days with another coach. So um, that's where you can find me if you, you know, you're interested. If you have questions, I'm always available. I mean, I don't always answer till sometimes the next morning, but, you know, I'm there. So by all means, look me up, you know, follow, don't follow if you don't want to, that's fine. Uh, as you can tell by my name, I, I've got a potty mouth. So uh, if you can't handle the bad words, I understand completely. Please don't think that I'll be offended. I, I get it. So by all means, look me up. I'm here. Nice, man. Nice. And that's awesome. You're so close to getting all, you know, the, the support groups are great, but get being able to get into that coaching, I think is going to be an awesome thing for a lot of people. So I'm excited for that for you. Thank you. Me too. Definitely. And Dave, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? I'm in. Let's go. Okay. So question number one, tell us, Dave, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Oh, John Goodman. Hands down, John Goodman. Uh, his body of work, uh, the fact that he uh, – actually, I have a quick story about John Goodman. So John Goodman, obviously, very large guy for a long time. He has since lost a lot of weight himself, but um, – for a while, when I worked for Casual Mail, we did a uh, collection drive for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Phenomenal organization. Would gladly continue to give money to St. Jude's any chance I get. Uh, John Goodman was shopping in a store in California, and they asked him if he wanted to donate to St. Jude's. And it was generally, you know, you could donate whatever you wanted, but a lot of people would just kind of round up their change. And uh, John Goodman said, yes, I would. He said, but I need you I need you to give me a minute. And he went out to his car and he came back in and he wrote the store a check for $5,000 for St. Jude's. Um, and that stuck with me. And that man, uh, I've always been fascinated by him as a character all the way back to Roseanne. Um, you know, Ted Cloverfield Lane, he was fantastic in that. The Big Lebowski. John Goodman has always been one of my favorites. So I, I would have to say it's John Goodman. Nice, I like it. Question number two, Dave. What is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Don't take anything for granted. Um, you know, I, I took eating whatever I wanted for granted. I took my family for granted that they were always going to be there. My health for granted that that was, you know, I was, I was just going to survive. It didn't matter how fat I was. Um, and now that I've lost all the weight, I, I, it feels like everything is more special. It feels like it's not just expected that it's going to be there, um, you know. And, and I can I can now do a lot more with them. So I I I, I tend to cherish things a lot more than I used to, rather than just kind of taking everything and life for granted. I like it, man. Question number three: If there's someone out there listening who wants to get their journey started today towards better health, 
what is one concrete thing that they can actually do today? Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say go and get a weight, make your measurements, get your measurements, you know, get a, get a, a tape measure, get a, you know, something used for tailoring. Uh, I'm sure that's called the tape measure too. I don't know why my brain is blanking on that right now. Uh, but get it, get out a tape measure. It doesn't have to be one that you use for, you know, cutting wood or, or building anything. Just take your measurements and start today. Don't look at the calendar and go, oh, you know, I'll start on Monday. I'll start February 1st. I'll start January 1st. I'll start December 1st. Whatever it happens to be. Put it in your head. Start today. Don't waste any time. Get right at it. Get your measurements. That way you have a baseline. I'm so mad at myself that I did not take my body measurements when I started carnivore. I took a weight and that was it. Um, and then the other thing I can tell you is hydroscale. Hydroscale for at least a month. Go buy more measurements than anything else. But but again, back to the basics of start today. If you make that decision, don't wait. Get it started today. There we go. Question number four. Dave, what is one thing about yourself that you love? My sense of humor. Um, I, I've got a very dark sense of humor. Um, I will tell people all the time that my mom told me when I was growing up that I should find something good that I'm good at and go with it. You know, don't don't try to be something for somebody else. Find something you're good at and and make that your life. So I became an asshole. Um, that it's just it's it's who I am. I'm I'm sarcastic. I'm snide. I have a big heart, but I love to be a goofy jerk, and I I relish in that. So it, it has to be my sense of humor because that has served me from a defense mechanism to now a strong point in my life. You know, growing up and being called names, being bullied, to turning that into self-deprecating humor um, to now being able to use it for other purposes. It, it just, it has to be my sense of humor. I like it, man. And your final question today, Dave, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? I would be, I would put that to be um, continuing to improve myself as a husband and father. Um, you know, I've taken care of the physical aspect of things, um, trying to be more there for my family. I mean, I, I'm, I've always been there for them, but to, to be included in things that they do, to get them excited about doing other things, get them trying new things, and just overall being a a, a good father and a good husband because there is no one in my life that is more important than that woman and those three boys uh, that that sit in my living room or you know that that go through life with me every day that you know I try to spend as much time with as possible because um, if it wasn't for them I really wouldn't have a reason to be doing what I'm doing so it, I you know definitely being a good dad and a good a good husband are my primary motivators to my entire life. Well, that's a fantastic goal, man, and I'm sure it's one that continues way beyond the next year. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you sharing your experiences and your journey with the audience here, and you know, just like I said, just a big thank you. And thank you. It's it was a great time. Hopefully, you know, for some folks learned some things, and if anyone can take anything away from, you know, the all the stories that I had to tell is that it, you you don't need to give up.
there's never a point where you should give up. It's time to to make that jump and to do what you need to do right now to make sure that you are the healthiest you that you can possibly be. So thank you, Gourmet. I appreciate you having me. Definitely, man. Thank you. Everyone else out there, I'm going to put Dave's contact information in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to him. If you want to reach out to me, you know you can always find me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And then, my friends, once you're connected with Dave, go on out there, do something today to amaze yourself because you're the most amazing people that I know. And then come on back and catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.